0: It is 18 minutes before the hour here on the Large radio show, and we're pleased to be on the air with our good friend James Patrick Riley. He is the man behind Courage, New Hampshire, the story of a fictional New Hampshire town in the early 1770s based on the town of Chesterfield, which, in a riveting manner, That uh, has something for everybody. Goes through the issues facing the colonists at the time, the road to revolution, and how it was paved. It's a lot of fun to watch. Plus, there's, oh, so much more uh, at uh, colonybay.tv where you can not only watch the series, stream it live, or order DVDs, uh, but you can get more on history Uh, than you ever hoped to uh, be able to get and one of the things you find out about history you know they say those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it it's amazing to me as somebody who has taken advantage of the historic resources not the least of which is courage new hampshire that have been put together by james patrick riley uh, just how the issues haven't changed but certainly um, the people and the arguments and the conclusions on those issues have uh, perhaps strayed from the original American ideal. Anyway, it's all at ColonyBay.tv. That's ColonyBay.tv. Join me in joining the colony. You've done dumber things with $17.76. I promise you that. Good morning, James. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you.
1: Well, this morning, um, as I think I've referenced many times on your show before, when performing an execution uh, in New England and the Middle Colonies, Usually there was a confession, and um, this is a big part of the public ritual. But I haven't I read too many of them, and this was published in the um, New Hampshire Gazette. I thought it would be kind of interesting. This is the confession of a counterfeiter mm-hmm. in, who was executed in 1773. second kind of April was executed at Albany sentence for the of New York. Gilbert Belcher, Joseph Bill Packer, and John Walt Lovely. The following is the confession and dying speech of Gilbert Belcher. Uh, a pardon I expected, but a pardon I have not obtained. My friends have either less influence than I imagined or they are reluctant to intercede in my behalf. My merit will not preponderate in my favor. The consequences is I must die. Public justice has laid her talons upon me and I cannot complain of maltreatment. The most poignant grief I feel is that by making assiduous exertions to prolong my temporal existence, I have been too dilatory in searching after the things which concern eternal life. My sun is now setting, is relapsed. The night appears to me in which no man can work. Oh, that the beams of divine grace may irradiate my darkened soul, that the merits of the one crucified but everlastingly glorified Jesus may plead efficaciously for me at the bar of the supreme judge of heaven and earth, before whom, in all human probability, I must soon appear. Wow. And then he goes on, and he starts to talk about his, um, his own life and his mistakes. He says, I descended from a family that reflected honor upon me to the best of my knowledge. I am the first branch of it that has been disgraced. I was born in New England, got a common education, that is to say I learned to read and write and when of competent age, served an apprenticeship to the silversmith's business. I was always of an uh, uh, unofficially refractory disposition, extremely inquisitive about the affairs of my neighbors, but careful that nothing should transpire relating to my own. In the year 1761, I married at a town called Hebron in New England to a very worthy woman, who must soon be a widow, and her nine children, the oldest of not twelve years old, fatherless. If I had been industrious and content with the profits of my business, this calamity might have been averted. About seven years ago, I went to reside in Great Barrington. There I met with people as perversely inclined as myself. We soon became associates and concerted schemes which had no tendency to promote the interests of our neighbors. No gain afforded me so much pleasure as that which I acquired by illicit means, coining and counterfeiting engrossed my attention, and those who first advised me to transgress persuaded me to continue my iniquitous practices. I am now to suffer an ignominious death, while those who are more guilty than me, the mediation of friends or the powerful efficacy of a sum of money properly applied have escaped the danger. The thoughts of leaving my affectionate wife and innocent children exposed to the reproaches and insults of the unpitying world distresses me greatly. But God is all sufficient for them. To his protection I recommend them and earnestly beg that he will bestow his blessings upon them, enable them to do that which is right in this world, and qualify the of glory in his eternal kingdom. I would very willingly, were it my power, make retribution to all those whom I, may, I have injured, but as I have not the means, I hope they will forgive me. I never was guilty of murder nor rape, ever tempted to put forth my hand in steal. Lord, pardon my sins, for I have many to answer for. Religion has not hitherto much engaged my attention, but the comfort that I have reaped since my confinement by contemplating upon the promises of the gospel is inexpressible. And then he discloses here, O oh, blessed and eternal God, great Father of men and angels, who despiseth not the meanest creature that thou hast made, Thy mercy is over all thy works. The prayers and sighs of the penitent sinner are lifted up to thy throne and presented by the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, thy beloved Son. They are never rejected by thee. And then he says in closing, sorry, this is a long confession.
0: Well, you know, Uh, if if in making the confession he stays alive for that much longer, I can understand why, but...
1: (laughs) Well, it just says, In mercy, O Lord, look upon me, who for my offenses am doing going to suffer a cruel and ignominious death. When my soul departeth from my body, do thou, O blessed, even Gilbert Belcher. I, and, uh, you know, it's it, kind of interesting because I'm watching a fascinating uh, series. I think you can watch it on Netflix. It's called uh, Manhunt. It's about tracking down Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. And I thought it was so ironic is that I, I didn't know this, but Ted... Ted started Harvard at age 16, and um, he was actually the subject of a very, very cruel psychological experiment that was um, engineered by a guy named um, Henry Murray, I believe his name was, who was uh, instrumental in the beginning of the uh, CIA. And uh, in this, this particular experiment, Kaczynski and other Harvard freshmen and sophomores were systematically broken down, basically psychologically tormented, and um, and I thought it was ironic that this institution that was once used ministers, basic, um, fell into the grips of social scientists who had basically no regard for their students. I mean these these poor boys were just, I mean when you when you see what they were exposed to, in the instance of Ted Kaczynski, what with what, what the bad took but ted kaczynski now is sitting you know and paid for by all of us absolutely unrepentant you know that piece of scum should have been executed
0: oh, years yeah. ago mm-hmm.
1: and um uh and for people and, who don't yet, know
0: who ted kaczynski is that's the unabomber
1: Indeed, indeed the unabomber who um who sent packages all over the country um you know, one minute uh, a man's opening up a package in the next room and the next minute his daughter's seeing exposed rib cage, you know, lying on the floor of his study. I mean, this man was a monster, is a monster, and he's allowed uh uh three meals a day in a federal facility oh, yeah. uh and to correspond with people all over the country.
0: And and, and 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 not only that, the New York Times gave him what he wanted and that was a full printing of his, you know, delirious manifesto that was what, fifty thousand words or something stupid like that?
1: Yeah, it was it was uh uh I can't remember the number of pages, almost like a almost like a doctoral dissertation. It was it ended up being instrumental in capturing him because when his relatives read it, they knew it was his work. But uh I, I think that I think the the problem here is just just a general difference of approach. I mean, if you, if you look at this particular confession, here's a guy um who before the public actually Um, sounds a very somber warning. I mean, can you imagine uh, the public now hearing someone confess the thoughts of a man who knew he was about to die for a great infraction against society? And this is not rape or murder. This is counterfeiting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So um, uh, I think that we've lost that in our culture. I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, disgraceful people like, um, you know, Harvey Weinstein can go about doing what they do is because there's really no public fear of God. I mean, they're, they're, it's just not part of our public discourse. I mean, when I read this kind of stuff, I know a contemporary radio station, imagine someone out there is hearing this going, what, what is this? Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and yet this was a, this is a common reality in 18th century life. And it's why they didn't have as much crime as we have.
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's a kind of an axi- axiomatic. If, uh your kid gets away with the temper tantrum. Expect more temper tantrums and bigger ones. And when they get bored with the level that they're operating at, they'll they'll push it to the next one. But if the kid's temper tantrum is met with uh, uh, a swift, a decisive uh, action by the parent, if nothing else, not giving them what they want after you know be, because well, of the tantrum uh, I mean, they pick, I mean, then just, they, you get the, fewer of them. The, and the they dialogue
1: of sensible judgment. I mean, when you read about these stories. And, you know, here's a country that has 10 times the per capita debt that most other regions of the country do. And and all Donald Trump says in the middle of a massive relief effort is that, you know, just be aware that we, we can't sustain this forever, you know. And, and the little bitties of our who somehow think that there's an enormous trough that we can just draw on to save everyone and everything, no matter what they've done, no matter whether they've invested in their infrastructure no matter what the underground of their utilities no matter what they've prepared for disasters like this uh, there will always be someone to help but help endlessly you know and and um, I thought that that that's a good segue to this next really small little story I thought it was interesting this was actually a private advertisement placed by someone he said the public are desired to be aware of several beggars who wander about the country and begging pretending they have lost their interest in buildings by fire, which imposition is high time for them to lay aside, or perhaps they may be employed in a more advantageous way for the public as they are about 25 or 30 years of age and will be able to work. They belong to Brentwood. So this guy has basically observed these 25 or 30-year-old men who are begging for food and sustenance, who are quite capable of working and who are lying about the, um, the nature of their poverty you know mm-hmm. and I,
0: I i think that modern day you know, panhandlers the, or ancient day panhandlers
1: yeah basically i mean we have a huge almost cities now in southern california that are full of the homeless that no one can bring themselves to um uh, to put to gainful employment of any sort and and i think that uh, this this public unwillingness basically to to have a reasonable what your obligations are to society uh whether you really i mean uh, warrant public us if you're not working you know um it, it just th- this was this is a, apparently a pretty ongoing dialogue in the 18th century and we we've lost it now we just don't we we um are so consumed with the difference between the haves and the haves not that we're not talking about why people don't have <laughs> if that makes any sense
0: yeah no that's that's a good point so it, it just yeah, well, I think it's part of an entitlement mentality that says everyone gets to get what they want no matter the burden it imposes on society to either react to it, respond to it, address it, clean up after it. You know, you you have a right to be a vagrant in a park. There, You know, it was years ago, but, you know, there were actually places in the city of Manchester where, you know, one or two homeless people had acquired such a pile of stuff, they actually had to clear it out with a front loader
1: <laughs>
0: wow, and dump trucks. Uh, yeah. and, you know, you know uh, it's just,
1: and then, and then the poor people who have sent, I mean, have to be, be on guard for needles that have been left, of, left aside. I mean, it's just, oh, I, I mean, yeah, I, and,
0: there, yeah. there are,
1: there yeah. are places in California where moms won't take their children to parks anymore because um, people shoot up and leave, you know, exposed grass. I mean, it's just, um, I mean, the unwillingness of people to have, this kind of dialogue that I that I read. I mean, the the the, the I, I I don't do it in public anymore. Separation of church and state, but 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 basically, there is really no public sensibility about, for example, in the case of Harvey Weinstein, w- what his apology before God is. You know, <laughs> let alone everyone else. I mean, he he's doesn't. No, nobody's encouraged to have that internal dialogue anymore yeah. because everyone is afraid of appearing judgmental. But. Without it, you begin to see what we're seeing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, his apology, Weinstein's apology before God would be whatever he tells himself in the mirror, because clearly that's how he's conducted himself. James Patrick <laughs> Riley. As always, it's our pleasure to have you with us here on the Drought Large Radio Show. You're nowhere near those fires, are you?
1: No. Uh, the Most of those are up north. There, there was one in Orange County. I haven't checked progress, but uh, it was so windy the other day leaving best buy i almost got knocked over it was just uh, uh just colossal winds. that uh, so prayers for california would be appreciated
0: all right prayers are on the way james patrick as always it's our pleasure thanks rich all right we're gonna take a final check for traffic weather and sports when we come back we'll have a preview of monday's show we're not done yet stay with us all righty folks on monday Steve MacDonald will join us for no safe spaces. Ava Castillo will be in for the ins and outs of education, immigration. Kimberly Morin joins us for politically buzzed and we'll be busy about the business of getting a candidate or two uh, in the studio so they can talk to you before the election, which is now just a little bit more than three weeks away for the entire team here at Drought at Large, I am your ever humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, be good. Be well. I'm sorry. Until Monday, you can be good and well tomorrow, too. But until Monday, be good. Be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Someday I'll figure out exactly what that means. <laughs> We're proud to have you in the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors, as always. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about them on Drought at Large. It matters. Have a great weekend, everyone.